And um, we have a lot of things, just at the beginning of the year, we have a lot of things starting, so there's a lot of stuff to choose from. Uh, we have, uh, in a few weeks, Ladies Bible Study, Men's Bible Study, Financial Teach University. We have a growth track in a couple weeks. Our growth track is just uh, for any of our new attenders who just want to find out more and, and maybe get involved in serving at Family Life. And so we have all these things coming up. And of course, there's on our website, you can register for all these things. In our kiosk out here in the lobby, you can register for everything. You can register and pay. Um, the Bible studies just cost what the materials cost, and I think FPU is $100. Uh, but anyway, both the ladies and men's will be on Wednesday night, and we have youth service on Wednesday night. We have child care, so it's a great way uh, for, you to, for you to get to grow. The men will be continuing the second part of the 33 series that we started last time. There are six parts. And the ladies, the ladies will have a live Bible study here by Ms. Joanne Green. Joanne, would you wave your hand? This is Joanne Green, and she has an incredible testimony, and she does Bible studies on radio broadcasts and all kind of things, and she will be speaking next week. And so I wanted you to get to meet her and hear her story before uh, she taught a Bible study here, so we're excited about all of that. And uh, one more thing, uh, two more things. Um, one, uh, our youth, every, every other summer, our youth, our student ministry, our high school, you know, from 8th grade up, 8th grade, high school, and college students, uh, they go on a mission trip. And this year they're going to be going to Chiapas, Mexico, which that's way up in the, in the mountains by the Guatemalan border. Uh, anyway, we've taken a number of trips there, very safe. And we're looking for students who want to go on a mission trip. And maybe you have a student and... Uh, Maybe all the stuff you've been lining up for them in the summer hasn't really changed their attitude. Send them to another country, literally. But uh, what happens is our church is very big on missions. We, we support missionaries, and we've, I, I've lost count of how many churches we've paid for to be built around the world. So what will happen is our church, our church will give uh, $10,000 to uh, the ministry there, and they will buy all the materials, and our kids, our students will go there with a local village up in the mountains and help them build a church. And so what it is is there's a group of people up there in a village, and they're Indian, the Sotseal Indians, and, uh, and they, don't, they, they meet together in a house, they can't fit in the house, and they're little, literally huts in, village, in a village. And so our, our kids will go there and build them a church that will hold about 125 people, and all their weddings, all their burials, all their church services will be done there. So they'll, they'll go build something that will be reaching future generations and serving a purpose for the kingdom for years to come. Out there in the lobby, there's a little a square card that talks about it. Our youth meet on Wednesday. And this Wednesday, after youth group, youth goes from 7 to 8. At 8 p.m., they're going to have a parents meeting for any parents who want to talk about sending their kids on, on the mission trip. And they'll answer all your questions. And I know many parents are scared to send their kids on a mission trip. Um, I've actually taken, myself, more than 200 kids on this trip. And uh, the people that have been doing it have been doing it for 22 years, and they've never had one incident. So, it's, it, you know, it's, I would say that it's possibly safer than driving across Houston, but you can be the, you can be the judge of that. Take our life into our hands every day, huh? So anyway... Well, we're so glad you're here. Last week, I started a new series called The Will of Life. And in this series, we're looking at how to bring balance into our lives. One of the greatest problems in life, in our lives, is that they're not balanced. 
And there are, there are seven major categories in your life and mine. First of all, it's our, our spiritual life. God created us with a spiritual dimension. Then there's our family life, getting along with husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and children. Uh, you know, then there's our finances. And no matter what you say, your finances have a big impact on your life. How well you do with them, how, well you, how, how bad you do with them affects you. Then there's our mental life, keeping our mind sharp intellectually. There's our physical body. How many know that we're called to take care of our physical body? And then there's our, our work, our career, what we do. And then, of course, there is our social life. Now, here's the problem. The problem is uh, we naturally do very well at some of these categories, and we naturally do poor in others. To make matters worse, whatever you do good at, you put more focus and attention on those, and you put less attention on an area that you don't feel good about yourself. I mean, that's, that's good. That's just normal, that if we don't feel good about our, an area of our lives, we just want to ignore it. Because we feel, we feel bad about ourselves, we want to do better, but we can't. We try, but it just, it's, it's not working out. And uh, so anyway, now here's the problem with that. God created us to have true success. And true success is when all of the major areas of our lives are healthy and whole and growing. That's what God created us to do. And, uh, but the problem is, sometimes we just, you know, for no other reason, than we, we, just, we just fail in some areas and we stay away from them. So during this series, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about each one of these topics in the will of life. And, and hopefully I'm going to give you some, some creative, uh, practical insights that you can use to bump up any area of life that you're struggling with. And I just want you to know, it's not God's will for you to struggle bad in any of these areas of your life. And here's the thing. Even if you're superior in five of these categories, the three that you're unsuccessful in will drag the other the other, the other, uh, the other five down, because think about a wheel, the wheel of life. If you have a wheel that has a big notch out of it, it doesn't roll too well, and when it rolls, every time it comes around, it says, clunk, clunk, clunk. Have you ever had a flat tire? Well, it's kind of like that, okay? It's like a flat tire in Houston traffic. That's what your life is like if you're not successful in these areas. And so, it's very, very important. Um, last week, Last week, I, I began this series, and in the beginning, I introduced this, and I, I did a lesson last week on how can people change. If you missed that, go back and listen to the podcast last week, because how people change, I was asked a question, Pastor, do you think that everyone can change? And the answer is absolutely yes, everyone can change, but, few, but very few actually do. And so here's the thing, if you have an area of your life that's not up to parts, not where you want it to be. You know, God can restore that. God can help you build that back. It's going to take some time, but you're going to have to change the way you see life because the way that you see life in the past has got you to where you are now. So you need God to, to, to lift you up. And Anyway, I talk about four things that have to take place in your life if you're ever going to change. And so you can go back and listen to that. So today... We're talking about how to grow spiritually, your spiritual life. Uh, obviously, the most important area in the will of life 
is our spiritual lives. And you can never be the husband, the wife, the father, the mother, the employee, employer, the friend, the co-worker that you really desire to be without having God in your life helping you. I mean, how many of you this past week you said, man, they better be glad that God is in my life. <laughs> I went to pick up some food last night, you know, and this restaurant was really busy because there was a power outage and people couldn't cook, so the restaurant was packed. So I called my order in and I went there. And, um, and so I'm waiting and I'm, I'm waiting and waiting. Uh, very, very patiently, I do want to boast. Uh, I'll repent later. And, and so then it was finally my turn. I go to pay and do things. And this lady just comes and cuts me off. And she started asking about desserts they had. And, and uh, then she looked at me. And I just said, oh, go, go ahead. I'm not in a hurry. And after they, the, they rang them up, the cash register person said, thank you for being so patient. I'm like, let me record that and take it to my wife. My wife will never believe this. Um, but, you know, honestly... Sometimes I don't fare that well. But the, the better we're doing with God and Him in our life can help us. Uh, it, it flows out of us. So that's very important. So here's, here's the important thing. We were created. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It doesn't matter whether you agree or not. We were all created to have a relationship with God. If you go all the way back to the Bible in Genesis 2 and 3, it says that God came down in the Garden of Eden where he had created this garden for Adam and Eve uh, to live in. And it says that God came down in the garden in the cool of the day every day and spent time with them. They had, they had, a, rela they had a relationship uh, with him. And of course, after they sinned, that relationship with God was broken. And, and, and they, they were cast out. They didn't get to see uh, God every day. And, and so here, until, until we have a relationship with God, there will always be a void in our life that, we, that we, we just can't fill. See, but before a person gives their life to the Lord, they're trying to do things and trying to find ways to fill the void of unhappiness in their life. That, that, that's just what we do. So some people, and we try a variety of ways, and so, some people put all of their energy into work. I just need to be successful. I just need to make money. And you can get to the highest level and have all these positions and prestige, but the void is still there. And, uh, you know, others try relationships. They, their relationships with the people in this world, a spouse, a loved one, whatever, they put relationships there. Others, others go to the gym for hours a week. Now, there's nothing... There, there, Others may meditate. There's nothing wrong with any of these things, but all these things were not supposed to fill the void that, that, that is there for God. God fills the void. And uh, let, me tell you, let me tell you a story. This is a story, a personal story, but I, I think you'll like it, and I think it will make sense to you. So two weeks ago on the Christmas break, Tracy and Trinity, they decided to go up to Waco to to see Chip and Joanna Gaines' little magnolia farm, right? You know, y'all know them, the, the fixer-upper, you know, HGTV and all that. And so they asked me if I wanted to go. And then Trinity quickly said, you don't have to. 
but they just wanted permission to go. I'm like, no, I don't have Go, go. So they, they're driving up to Waco, and, you know, they're on Highway 6, and after they came out of College Station, it, it's just a very desolate place. They're driving 75 miles an hour. There's no, no, nothing but just open road. And Tracy, they go by, and Tracy says, hey, I, I think she saw a black object on the road, side of the road, and she said, you know, which, let me tell you, I'm just going to be honest, Tracy doesn't have the best peripheral vision. So if she saw something, a little something, a little black something going 75 miles an hour on the side of the road, God meant her to see it, right? And so she said, told Tracy, hey, I think that was a cat. And so Tracy, Trinity made her turn around. They turned around, and there was a, kit, a three-week-old kitten on the side of the road. Well, that's what they said. And so they, they, picked, the, they, they picked the kitten up. They took the kitten with them all day. And I start getting pictures. I mean, they went, they went to Magnolia Farm, so I went fishing. And I'm on my boat, and I'm doing these, and I'm just sitting pictures of a black cat. And I'm like, you know, we're not even cat people. And, and, and so then I'm, I asked them what happened. I'm texting them, then I found out. And so my, so my first thought, my first thought is we now have a cat to go along with the three dogs. I think, young, you can show them the rest of the pictures. And so anyway, so we have, we have been, or mostly Trinity, has been nurse, nurse, bottle feeding this kitten. Of course, we took it to the vet and all that. Bottle feeding this kitten for, for two weeks and all, and all of that. And, and so I was, I was just, and actually, I'm not a cat person. I don't really care for cats that much. If, if you do, please forgive me. But I like this one. <laughs> and I think the reason I like it is because of the story. And I started thinking about this. And I thought, man, you know, they named it, they, Trinity named it Maggie because they were going to Magnolia. So Ma- Maggie, short for Magnolia. So I was thinking about Maggie and I was thinking about, man, her story is a lot like you and me. She was abandoned out on a road in a desolate place, three weeks old. She would not have survived. She was right by a road, so she was probably going to get hit by a car. But even if she didn't, she would not have made the day. Because she had to have nourishment. She was supposed to be getting nourishment from her mother. So, so she was abandoned. And the only way she could be, she could be saved is for someone to rescue her. That, that was her only choice. She was in a devastating situation. And I thought about this. You and I, if we don't have the Lord in our life, we are in trouble. We, we are in a devastating situation trying to go through life without having a Savior. We need a Savior. We need someone to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. Because I can, you know, I, I can tell you something this week. Everyone here, you're, you're going to be knocked down. You're going to be hit with something you didn't know. Find bad news from a loved one, bad news from a child. I mean, life, we live in a fallen world. And we need a guide to take us through. We need a Savior. Without a Savior, without someone to lead us and guide us and can give us wisdom, we are going to get ourselves in a very, very difficult situation because we were never meant to live life on our own. We were never meant to, to, to be that way. And so, so the, 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 very, the very first thing that you need, uh, if your spiritual life and the will of life, if you would just say, Terry, I'm being honest with you, the, my spiritual sphere in the will of life, my spiritual life, is not good. If you would be honest and just evaluate where you're at, then listen, I have the solution for you. The first thing 
is that our spiritual lives start when we give our lives to Jesus. Salvation is the start of our spiritual life. So I have a question for you. Now, if you say, well, I know all about salvation, just, just listen to me. Because I'm, I'm not sure we know everything that there is because the way that I see Christians living today doesn't, doesn't encourage me that we un- really understand what salvation and that we're pursuing God. So just bear with me uh, just for a minute. So, but I have a question for you first. Who or what are you trusting as your Savior? Who or what are you trusting as your Savior? Who or what do you put as the priority in your life? Now, I know a lot of people who say God is a priority of my life, but when you look at their life, you could not decipher that on your own. Okay, if it's hurting, just say, this is for the person sitting next to me, okay? I'm just trying to make you think. Sometimes we deceive ourselves because we don't think about real, actual things going on in our life. And another question is, who holds the key to my heart? Who do you, and do they have the power to save my life? So see, it's, it's possible to have the wrong person or object as your, as your Savior uh, if money were your Savior. What do you do when money can't help you? If a relationship is your Savior, what do you do when they let you down? Because see, God didn't make Tracy to be my Savior. He didn't make my kids to be my Savior because they're human. I'm human. And humans, what we do is we let people down. And a lot of times it's accidental. But we're just not perfect. You need a Savior who is perfect. You know, if you're if your career is your Savior, what happens when it's no longer there? What do you do when you can't work anymore? And, and so, one of my greatest fears, one of my greatest fears is I, I'm scared, I'm fearful that the church today doesn't really understand the concept of salvation. I fear that people have been attending church all across our country, but don't have the don't have the the correct concept of giving their lives to Jesus in the, in the process of salvation. I talk to people all the time. I talk to hundreds of people every week and talk to many Christian people or people who claim to be Christians. And what I notice is, yes, Jesus has a part in their life, but Jesus isn't the center of their life. And so this creates a, a very tough uh, split in our lives. And so let me just talk to you just for a minute, and we'll move on to some other things. John chapter 3, verse 3 through 6. Jesus, this guy named Nicodemus comes out. Now, he's, he's one of the, 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 the ruling council, council, one of the San, Sanhedrin, and he came out to talk to Jesus at night, and, and he's asking him some spiritual questions, and it says, Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. So this concept, born of the water and Spirit, basically this is what it means. When you're born naturally, there's water in the process, so we need a natural birth. And then as we grow and can understand, 
We need a spiritual birth. That's what salvation is. It's the second birth of giving our lives to Jesus. So just as we were born in this world and given our physical life, there is a second birth that's needed for our spiritual birth lives to come alive. And so salvation is the process of giving 100% of our lives to Jesus Christ and trusting Him to lead God and direct our lives. So, you know, that's uh, if your spiritual life isn't going well, maybe the problem is you haven't had the second birth. You've been born physically and you've been attending church, but you've never had an encounter with Jesus. You've never just surrendered your life to Jesus and said, man, I want you to lead my life. I trust you. I give you my life. I'm going to look to you for guidance. I'm not doing life on my own anymore. And really, salvation is when you allow Jesus to make choices for you. And that can be scary. Have any of you ever been scared by that? Don't tell your stories yet. We don't want to scare anyone. But so, And then the second thing is, how do you get saved? How do you have the second birth? Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So you have a heart belief and a mouth confession. Now, something else about this, uh, the last study I saw says 78% of Americans believe in Jesus. So 78% of Americans uh, call themselves Christians. But we have a problem with the American term believe and the Greek word believe. The word believe in the, in, in the Greek means uh, to totally, to put all of your hope and faith in Jesus Christ, to make Him the center of your life. And basically, if you're a betting person, and I hope that none of you are, are here, but if you've ever seen shows like you have a bunch of chips right here and you look at your hand and you say, the hand is good, I can't lose, and like you're all in, like you're all in. That's the concept. What you say is, no, Jesus, He's the real deal. He's the answer. He's, he's everything I've been looking for. I'm all in. I'm not, you know, I'm not wanting to play one foot over here with Jesus and one foot in my old life. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm with Jesus. I'm, I'm going for Him. And of course, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone. The new is here. So salvation is simply giving Jesus Christ, uh, or salvation through Jesus Christ, it brings about a paradigm shift in your life. It says you're a new creation. The new has come, the old has gone. It brings about a paradigm shift. So, you know, before people come to the Lord, you have a thought process of how you think things really work. And when you come to Jesus and start reading the Bible, the transformation is, now I see life differently. It's a paradigm shift. So if you've never had a paradigm shift, again, you really need to make sure that you've given uh, your life to Jesus. Ephesians, it, 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 if your spiritual life feels dead, uh, Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 4 and 5. It says this, As for you, that's you, the people there, and all of us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but because... Of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. So we're given physical life when we're born in this world, 
but we remain spiritually dead until we have this second birth, the birth of the Spirit, when we give Jesus our heart and, and we trust Him fully and we want Him to lead us and, and guide us this morning. So, see, some here this morning, there's not a doubt in my mind that some of you here this morning, you've been trying to ignite your spiritual life, but you don't have the power to do that. You can't make your spiritual life better because Paul said in Ephesians, listen, without Jesus, you are dead in your sins. You're dead in your transgressions and your iniquity, but because of Jesus, you know, we can be born again. We can have our spiritual life uh, come to life. Now, let me tell you this. Uh, so there, I'm sure there's some, a few, a couple that have never given their lives to Jesus. And listen, that may be a teenager in here because you can't, your parents can't get you into heaven. Your parents can't ignite your spiritual life. They can put you in places to help, but we all personally have to do that, give our life to Jesus. But then there's others, and this probably applies to most of the people, uh, more of the people than the first situation. But then there's a lot of Christians who honestly, they're just in a backslidden state. There's, there's Christians who, they've given their lives to Jesus genuinely, but they haven't read their Bible in months. They haven't prayed except if they need something. Church is a duty. Well, I, I went last week. I shouldn't. I don't really need to go next week. You know, in the thought of serving and giving and all those other things. And so, again, uh, none of that stuff, serving, attending church, that doesn't make you saved. But when you're saved, spiritual fruit comes out of you that you want to serve other people, that you want to grow, that you want to be with the believers in Christ. And so something to think about. Now, let's go to step two. So the only way your spiritual life, if it's dead, the only way it can be resurrected is, number one, you have to have a spiritual birth. You have to give your life to Jesus. That is the starting point. But the second thing is this, uh, is that it takes passion to grow spiritually. To grow in any area, write this down if you're taking notes. To grow in any area of your life, you have to do things that you don't feel like doing. Think about that. So think about the area. You need to grow spiritually. You need to grow in your finances. You need to grow in work. You need to take care of your body physically. So you have to do things that you don't really feel like doing. That's the only way to make, to make progress. You have to overcome your flesh nature because what our, our flesh that we're battling, it says things like, I'm, I'm too tired. I'm too busy. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll join a small group next time. Now is just not a good time for me. So let me, let me explain something to you. There are always legitimate excuses for why we can't do something. I mean, so I just legitimized every excuse you have. And as a pastor, I've heard every one of them, okay? But I'm telling you, you can, you can legitimize every excuse that comes your way but if you do that, you won't grow. You won't grow. We're, we're, when I was getting out of the Army, I was ETSing from the Army, and we had all this equipment. And, and uh, so it had to be cleaning. We had to be turning. And we all heard about the guy at the turn-in place. And so two things happened. Uh, if, your, if your equipment wasn't clean, he would either send you back to clean it and bring it back, or he would tell you, if you can tell me a crazy story, something that I've never heard of before, 
and make me laugh, I'll clean your equipment for you. Okay? So me and three of my friends were going down the next day. So, um, I mean, good for me. I actually cleaned my equipment. But the other guys stayed up all night. And we were going, and, uh, and so what they decided to do, because they didn't feel like cleaning their equipment, so they were just, and they had all these excuses why they couldn't do it, so they were going to go there and tell this guy some stories. So they're telling me their stories on the way there. I thought they had a pretty good chance. However, I turned in my equipment, and all their equipment came back to the barracks, and they cleaned them and take it back, you know, to, to take it back the next day. So there's legitimate things, but, you know, if one of these areas of our life are not good, what happens is it causes us pain. And the only way to get rid of the consequences of not doing good in a certain area is you have to grow. You have to grow over that. You have to allow health to come into your, to your body. So growth brings life and health. D- did you know, this? I found this in, quite interesting, did you know that Marriage counseling has an 80% failure. So people who go to a licensed professional marriage counselor, 80% of them don't make it. I I was shocked by that because I have some counselor friends. I'm like, that can't be true. They're like, oh, it's true. I said, well, why? I asked a counselor, why? She said, because people wait so long before they try to do something. I mean, they've been having problems for years, and they wait till it gets so explosive that I'm scared to let him in my office. I mean, some of the counseling places have security guards. I mean, this is true. A few years ago, there was a pastor who was counseling a man and wife, and they knocked over couches in his office and started shooting at each other. Anyone want to do counseling for me? Now, but here, here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. See, the problem is, like, and... I'm just using this as an example. If a married couple is having trouble, they've been having trouble for years. And what they say is, oh, we don't have time to go to counseling. We don't have time to go to the marriage conference the church is having. We don't have time for the marriage small group. And they keep, and they're legitimate excuses, but what, what they didn't say is, my marriage is more important then my kids go in there this week. If we're not married, we don't have a family. And so they push it, they push it down the line. And so what, what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, people who want to make changes, you have to do what you don't feel like doing. And you have to have the passion to refuse to settle for less than God has for you. Can I, I, I'm looking here this morning. Some of you are living way below God's blessing lines. Way below. You're living... God wants you up here. He has it up for you. You're living way down here because you just won't do the things He's asked you to do. And, and, and as a pastor and as your friend, man, I don't want to see anyone that I know down here. I want you up here. But to get up here, there's a price to be paid and, and you have to do some of the things that you don't want to do. And in passion, passion says that I refuse to settle for less than God's best. So, if you're struggling in an area, you've got to have passion in that area. You've got to transfer from pa- some passion there and say, I refuse to settle for less than God has for me. So spiritual growth and health demands passion. Passion overrides the excuses we would typically make. Uh, again, your excuses may be legitimate, 
But, but you have to uh, push, you have to push through that to find a way to make that happen. You know, this is interesting. Since I've been a pastor, what I've noticed is some of the most busiest and successful people that I know have more time to serve in the church than other people. It's a crazy thing. What I've noticed is some of the busiest, most successful people in our congregation, they're more involved in church than people who aren't as busy. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, you all know, I don't think they're in here. Peter and Lisa Hudson, are they in here? I, don't, I think they're back there teaching children's church, which means I can tell a story about them. Okay, that's what that means. So Peter, Peter and Lisa, I mean, they've been, coming, they've been doing, leading our children's ministry. If your kids are back there, they're in wonderful hands for at least 10 years, at least 10 years. And um, so they, they started coming to church. And way, way back, uh, you know, our, our, our boys were really good friends with the Hudson boys. And, and so they played basketball together. So Peter and I coached their basketball teams. And Peter runs a sprinkler business. And way back then, he was just getting off the ground. He was working at least 80 hours a week. I mean, just incredible. And, uh, but he, he had time to lead our children's church department. You know, he had, he had time to come to prayer and fasting. He had time to do small groups. And, and some people who don't, aren't that busy, they, they just don't have time. And so the difference was passion. So one day, I came to the gym, and, and uh, Peter was there early, and he was sitting up there in, uh, in, the, in the bleachers. And uh, just kind of like guys do, I thought I would go up there and give him a hard time. So I, I went up there and I said, hey, Peter, what you reading, a sprinkle manual? And he looked at me and said, what? I said, you reading about sprinkler? You know, I was giving him a hard time, pipes or something? He's like, no, um, I'm reading the children's church curriculum that I'm teaching this week. I'm telling you. I just, you know, I, you know he was, we were laughing about it, but I'm like, here's a guy that's busy. So he's carrying his children's church curriculum around in his work truck, and whenever he has time, He's reading it so he's prepared to teach the kids on Sunday morning. See, what it, the difference is, Peter and Lisa, they are passionate about teaching kids back there. They're teaching kids the values of God, how to love God. And if you have passion, what you say is, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to make it happen because it's important. I, I, I want to grow. I need to grow. So let me give you uh, three essentials, essentials of a growing spiritual life. And, and they're, they're very simple. First of all, Christians need a passion to read and study God's Word, the Bible. You will never become a mature Christian if you don't, if you don't read your Bible. God has given us His Word, the Bible, as a blueprint for our life, and it contains everything we need to know to grow and mature. And so if it's not a part of your daily life, if like you're not reading your Bible consistently, daily, you're just not going to grow. You know, I think most Christians, come, research says that Christians come to church 1.2 times a month. So if you're, let's say you're doing better than that, you come twice a month, but you're not doing anything in between. You're not giving yourself a chance to grow. So um, if, if you've never really read your Bible, um, I, I picked some of these up this week. You can buy one out in the Life Center for $6.00. It's called the New Believer's Bible, First Steps for a New Christian. And you may say, I've been a Christian for five years, six years. But if you've never read the Bible, this will help you. Pick one of these up. You can buy it for $6. If you don't have money, just, just, just take it. I'll get someone to pay for it. But um, 
And we're probably going to run out. And so if we run out, um, you can send me an email. Come talk to me, and I'll, I'll send you the link. But this has all kind of things that you need to know about the Bible and really just guide you through as you read. This is just the New Testament. So there's something like that you can do. The second thing is that Christians need a passion for prayer. There's a lack of passion for prayer in the church today. And most people think that prayer is when you ask God for your wish list. See, that's the prayer of a very immature person. The more you mature in your prayer, actually the less you pray for yourself. And people say, well, Terry, what do you pray for? Well, I pray for the church. I, every week I have members that have cancer. I have members whose families died. I pray for my family. And honestly, I pray for myself way less than I do those other things because people are hurting. So you need a passion for prayer. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is a dialogue where we talk to God and we wait for him to talk back. That's the best part about prayer is when he speaks back to us. So if all you're doing is talking to God, a monologue, and shutting it down, that's not prayer. Prayer is communication, uh, a dialogue. And then, of course, Christians need to be servants. Uh, when Jesus is in our life, at some point, it needs to come out, and we need to serve people, serve people, serve the church, serve our family. Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28 says this. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. The real word there is slave. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So basically, we learn God's Word. We, we spend time in prayer, finding direction for God, and then we put it, what we've learned into action through service in our community, through the church, in our family, in our, at our work. You will never grow sitting on the sidelines. I, I can tell you that. If you just sit on the sidelines, people are worried about making a mistake. We all make mistakes, but we've got to start doing something. And God didn't call us to be backseat Christians, you know. And back to, God didn't call us to be undercover Christians where no one knows. He called us to do that. So I wanted, I wanted to close with something real quick. It'll take about five minutes. I had someone come up to me one day. Uh, here just a little bit ago, and they said, hey, hey, Pastor Terry, what do you do to grow? What does your growth plan look like? And so I, I just thought I would tell you, and you may say, well, that's pretty aggressive, but uh, you can, again, you can just, you can fix it to whatever you want to do. So, again, every day, every day I read my Bible. Every day I read my Bible. The studies show that if you read 20 minutes a day, you'll read your Bible through in a year. And, and, and so every year I read the Bible through at least once, one time, sometimes more than that. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Sometimes people read their Bible and they quit reading it because I've already read that. I've read some parts of the Bible, I don't know, probably hundreds of times. And just this year since I started over in January, it's funny. I was reading some things and I saw details in a story that I had never noticed before. It's just repetition, just repetition. And when you think you know it all, you read it and you learn more. Plus, you're like me, we all forget what we read, right? Sometimes. And so, I, you know, you just got to fill your mind. You got to fill your mind with the, with the Word of God. You got to begin to read the Bible. The second thing that I do is every year I read, I read between, at the minimum I read 12, and at the most I read 30 books a year besides the Bible. 
And you know, I read a study that said when people graduate college, for the rest of their life, they read one book. And I'm like, Jesus, help us. There, there are so, now, I don't, listen, I don't read fantasy, I don't read novels, I don't read comic books, I just don't have time. I read books that challenge me and force me to grow. And, and, and so my goal is one, once a, one a month, but sometimes I, I'm able to do, to do more. And uh, I'm amazed at what I learned. You know, so this in January, I, I've read three books. I, I read one during the week of prayer and fasting. I read a book on fasting just to, to re-sharpen my focus on that. I read one book on personal finances. And I read one book challenged me in personal growth. And so I, I just encourage you to do that. There are so many good books by Christian people, men and women, who have studied so much, and, and they can help you. They can help you. But I don't read books. I read the Bible first. If I haven't read the Bible that day, I don't, I don't, I don't read the book. You know, it, it goes like that. Second of all, you know, because I, well, I'm, I'm the pastor here, but Tracy and I, we both, we attend the small groups here. We're having a men's Bible study, a ladies' Bible. We'll, we'll be at both of those. Every time there's, a, you know, a small group, every semester we're involved in those, learning about that. Then our church, we have, we'll have three conferences this year. On February 23rd, we'll have, we'll have a marriage workshop. It's from 9 to 1230, so three and a half hours. And, and I'll go to that because every time I go to a marriage conference, I've been married 28 years. I'm happy with my marriage, but I learn something. I learn something, and if I don't learn something, I said, hey, Tracy, what should I have learned from that? And she can tell me. She can tell me. Pass me a little note right there. And so, you know, some people think, well, my marriage isn't falling apart. I'm not going to go. You need, if you stay neutral, you go backwards. you got to keep fanning the flame in your marriage. Then in April, we're going to have the Dave Ramsey Conference here. It's called the SMART Conference. It's an incredible conference with seven national speakers. They'll be here. Then we'll have a, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a parenting workshop later in the year. So, so think about that. So if you're coming to church and you're reading your Bible and you're taking small groups and doing these conferences, man, I'm telling you, you're going to grow. You are going to grow. You're, 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 you're going to uh, launch. You're going to have a spiritual launching. And then I said this earlier, but I, I spend time praying for church members, my family, and, and myself last. And, you know, it, it's funny as a pastor, um, one thing that's difficult is it's hard for me just to take a vacation and get away because I'm away and I know, man, so-and-so's mother is about to die. So-and-so's father is about to die. So-and-so is struggling with their marriage. And I'm telling you, that, that eats at me because God doesn't want a lot of the things that are happening to be happening. And I'm praying with you and I'm believing for God to do things. Um, also, I'm careful who I spend my time with. You know there's two types of people in the world. Some that add value to you and others is just an absolute waste of time. I will, I will not spend my personal time, my free time, with people that are going to tear me down, that are going to be critical, that, that aren't going the way I am. I want to spend my time with people uh, in social settings where I'm built up and I'm challenged to grow. The last thing is this. I, I make a list of things that I want to accomplish every year, and I laminate it. And I have, I have things that I want to accomplish this year, and I have things that I want to accomplish in the next three to five years. Now, I have never accomplished everything on my list. But when I look at it every day, it makes me push toward that. 
And so here's the thought. If you have no goals written down, your chance of accomplishing something great is very small. You've got to write down specifically what you want to accomplish and how you're going to do it and what time you're going to dedicate to it. And you've got to put it somewhere where you see it, where you're challenged, challenged to grow. So we're going to wrapping, wrapping this up here this morning. Spiritual growth is possible for everyone. But the first step is we have to. We have to start a relationship with Jesus. We have to give our lives to Jesus. We need rescue. We need a Savior. If you haven't done that, your spiritual, the spiritual sphere of your life will never increase until you give your life to Jesus. Now, I'm, I, I'm telling you, I know. There are some people in here that have never given their life to Jesus. And, you know, if you want to grow in that area, you have to be courageous and say, I don't care what people think about me. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. Uh, then, of course, the second thing is some of you in here, you are legitimately saved. You've, many of you, you've given your lives to Jesus. But if I had to ask you, is there any passion in your spiritual life? You know, are you going outside of yourself? Are you doing things that you don't feel like doing? Or are you just staying in the background? And maybe you need to ask Jesus this morning, man, I need, I need you to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. I, I, I'm, I'm in a backslidden state. I I need, I need to repent. I need you to fill me because I want my spiritual life to, to increase. And of course, to do that, what we talked about, it's the passion factor. We have to possess spiritual passion to grow our spiritual lives. There's, there's no doubt about it. Just like, you know, if you have to have passion in any one of these areas to really increase, you have to have passion. And here's the thing. You know, the, you know, the Bible says that we can ask God for what we want Him to do and believe that we have it and we can receive it. And would you, would you stand with me? Would you bow, bow your heads and close your eyes?